This is episode 47 of the Travel Podcast. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Travel Podcast, where this morning I am very lucky to be joined by Sunny, who is the manager of India product from Travel Pack. But he's also got a vast experience of selling India, as he was once the director of the Indian Tourism Board in London. And he has moved over to Travel Pack in 2004, where he's been selling Indian tours in the UK and also to our American friends. And in 2002, Sunny was part of the team that launched the incredible India logo and its slogan, which is still going strong today. So good morning, uh, Sunny. Thank you for joining me this morning. Good morning, Julie. Yes, yeah. Good morning. It's a pleasure speaking to you this morning. So today we're going to cover the very basics of India because it is a large country. As uh, Sunny has just told me off screen, he has told me it's 3,500 kilometers north to south. And it uh, it's a very big place with lots to explore and uh, and see. But we're going to cover the basics today. So for those that are, have never been to India and just what to expect and what great things you can see. So we'll start today with uh, first things first. Where is India, Sunny, and how do we get there? Yeah, India geographically is in northern hemisphere and is one of the biggest, you can say, Asian country. And uh, it's not very difficult to get to India from UK. The flying hours is just eight and a half hours on a direct flight. And if you're taking an indirect flight via Middle East country, then it takes about 13 hours with stay of two and a half hours in any of the Middle East country. But there are airlines like Air India, British Airways, Virgin Airlines, which are flying directly from Heathrow to India, to the various parts, and to Delhi also from where the Golden Triangle Tour starts, of which we will be talking about. And favoring all the tailwinds, you know, it takes about eight to nine hours to reach India. And now we will have some three more airlines also joining. One is the Spice Jet, Vistara Airline, and also the Jet, Air, Jet Airways also is going to start from May and June onward. Oh, fantastic. So some new routes coming out. That's brilliant. That's great mm-hmm. to know. So what would you recommend uh, in terms of the time that you would spend in India? What's the ideal time to to spend there? Since I mentioned that India is a larger than life destination, one visit is not enough to cover the entire spectrum of India tourist attraction. I would suggest a minimum stay of about 14 to 18 nights is enough to explore one part of India. May I also mention here, India is geographically divided into four regions, northern region, southern region, eastern region, and western region. From the tourism point of view, all the regions are important, but the most important region is the northern region, of which Golden Triangle forms a major, major part. It's a focal point. It's here that you visit the country and you see the glimpse of Indian culture. Golden Triangle is like the garden route of South Africa or the wine tours of France or the Manhattan tour of USA. So this is the Golden Triangle is virtually the leading travel circuit of India from where the people start exploring India. And now 
with tourism product from the country, having a broad base, they go to Goa for the beach holiday or they go to Kerala, which is a spice and coconut coast of India to, to see the spices and then have a beach holiday in Kerala. So this golden triangle can be linked with many things. Two things which I want to really emphasize over here. Till lately, there are two more destinations which have become very popular. One is the golden temple of Amritsar. It has overtaken the popularity of the Golden Triangle Tour and most of my clients, I motivate them to go and see the temple part, the Golden Temple, the unique temple, which is the only temple in the world which is made of gold. And it is a most exhilarating and scintillating sight to see the Golden Temple glittering in the night. And the other place which has become very popular is the Shimla, which erstwhile was the capital of the British Raj, right from 1898 till 1947. The decision for the partition of India was taken in Shimla, a very popular hill resort among the British capital, among the British people, and where you also enjoy about 102 tunnels on a small narrow gauge railway line, which is now a part of the World Heritage Site. And that engine, which was made by the Scots company of UK, is still in operation. Oh, that's so, good to hear. So the train is still being used today. Yes, the, and the train is still being used and it starts, it steams off at about 6.30 in the morning and then it reaches Shimla around 12.45, covering more than 102 tunnels. Wow, goodness. So do you spend most of that train journey in the dark? No, I mean, there are intermittent light and shadow type of things, but you enjoy the tunnel also. Yes, yeah, you enjoy the tunnel. That's a major part. The enjoyment is that, and the journey from the tunnel does not last more than one minute. That's it, yeah. But it's it's a very unique experience. So we are linking golden triangle like from Taj to Raj. Taj is the golden triangle, the Taj Mahal. Raj is a British Raj. So people love this slogan. So they say, okay, let us discover Raj and Taj. That's it, yeah. (laughs) That sounds great. That's another slogan. Yeah, it's how you brand your your tours. That's the main thing, yeah. Brilliant. So on that, do you think then would you recommend going as part of an organized tour or do you think if you're quite adventurous that you could do it by yourself? So just get your flights and sort of land there or would you think it's better to do an organized tour? Well, I would really suggest, you know, first of all, you should have an itinerary in your in your hand. Yes. Yeah. You know what you are doing. You can do this tour itinerary in two ways. You can have a private tour in which Travel Pack specializes. You know, for the last more than 33 years, we have been specializing in the private tours, yeah, an exclusive tour. Because each one has got its own conception of holiday. So we fit that conception, make a reality into the people's mind. But nowadays, we change with the trends and we also change the trend. Most of the people, they want to be in a group tour. So we organize also the group tour for them. But we don't make a group of more than more than 12 people, 12 or 14 people, because it's very easy to get the people in the group. Yes, yeah. And then we go by their wish list. First of all, we examine the wish list of the person, what they want to do in India, how they reckon India, what are their what are their conceptions and thoughts about India. Then we start making the itinerary for them. But that is not but that is not the final itinerary. Till they are satisfied, what we are give, going to show them, then only we proceed ahead yet. It's, it's a sort of a research and developing the itinerary. 
Of course, it is within the framework of golden triangle, but then we give our own inputs also, and this is what the visitors like. Yeah, seeing, that Taj, seeing Taj Mahal is one thing, but but there are various time phases when you can see the Taj Mahal. We take the people to see Taj Mahal at the crack of the dawn, and when it is a full moon night, which comes once in a month, we take them for a visit to Taj Mahal to see Taj virtually virtually sparkling under the blue light of the full moon. And that is one of the most, it's a feast to the eyes and most exhilarating experience to the person. That's, that's what they like. So most of my itineraries, which I do, are built up around the full moon, full moon tour itineraries, in which they are virtually there in Agra to see Taj drenched with the blue light of the full moon. And this is what they like. And we have selected few hotels. There are just three hotels in Agra where you can see Taj Mahal from the blue, from your window, the Taj Mahal. And then we take them there to see. It is only a 15 minutes visit, not more than 15 minutes. You are only supposed to carry the camera with you. And all the tickets and entrance we buy in advance. Oh, fantastic. So you're really showing people on your tours the bits that they wouldn't find themselves as such, or they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't know that facts, for example, before they went. So you're providing a really great tour for them and basing it around what, what they like and what they're expecting. So while in Travel Pack, I don't sell the tours. I just not do the selling. I sell my experience, my travel experience, which I've experienced myself. So this selling the Taj under full moon is my idea. And very proud to say I was the first person in UK to sell tours like this, which were based on the which was based on the blue light of the full moon, full moon. So brilliant to see it at night. What what is it that makes it special? Is it quite a spiritual place? It's not a spiritual place, I should say. It is a very, you know, a romantic place. And Taj was built to commemorate, you know, the death of the beloved queen of one of the Mughal Maharaja. So just to make their love immortal, the dying queen had a promise taken from the Maharaja that he will build such a monument that will be inspiring to the lovers of all over the world. So this is what happened, yes. So... And this Taj Mahal, the tomb part is virtually fitted with gemstones, particularly which were imported from Iran and from many parts of the world. And they glitter, those gemstones glitter during the full moon of full moon, yeah, of the on a full moon night. You see the glitter and sparkle of those things, yeah. Oh, beautiful. This is, this is what this is what makes the Taj as a unique destination and that's why Kipling said one time it is the most it is the most precious and uh, most precious and the glittering monument on this earth and there are only two peoples in the world people have who have seen Taj Mahal and people who have not seen Taj Mahal <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't seen the Taj Mahal yet, but I will be there, I'm sure, Sunny, once we can can be free sort of again and travel freely. Yes, so you, yeah. you you say it's you definitely do need an itinerary, and I guess that's because there's a lot to see and do to fit into your however long you're going to go for. And as you said, like minimum 14 nights, two minimum. weeks. Yeah. So let's move on then to, um, so you mentioned the Golden Triangle. What What is the Golden Triangle made up of? What, what key sites can you see along that? Yes, see the Golden Triangle is comprises three great historical and heritage cities of India, which have remained, which were 
the capital in their time. Of course, Delhi and Jaipur are still the capital. Now, there is a place, the Golden Triangle starts from Delhi. Now, Delhi is one of the very oldest cities of the world, even older than the Damascus, the capital of Syria. And this was the capital of more than seven empires which rose and fell in this city. The last empire was a British empire, which whose capital was shifted from Calcutta from 1919 till 1947. Delhi is very fortunate to have more than 1,392 monuments. And the people say, one who is tired of Delhi is tired of life. And you virtually need more than three days to discover Delhi in its totality. And then comes the city Agra. Now, Agra was a Mughal capital right from the 15th century onward till 1737. This was a capital, and this is where the Mughal Empire saw its dizzy heights, very contemporary to the Tudors and the Stuart dynasty in England. That was a time when Mughal Empire was flourishing in India. And this Taj Mahal is the legacy of the British people. Uh, 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 this, this Taj Mahal is the legacy of the Mughal people in India. Now, this, is, this monument does not belong to India. It belongs to the world. That's the main thing. And Jaipur, which is called the fabulous pink city, was built in 1727. Until now, it is the capital of Rajasthan, which means an abode of Maharajas of India. Now, Jaipur was built as a plain city, but then in 1878, 1882, I'm sorry, the Prince of Wales happens to visit India and Jaipur. Just to honor his visit, the entire city was painted pink. And pink is a color which is linked with the hospitality and also as a color to welcome the guests visiting your country or the home. So since then, Jaipur has remained known as the pink city. And of all the heritage sites in India, we have got 38 heritage sites. More than seven heritage sites are in Rajasthan and three of them are in Jaipur. Fabulous. So is it still pink? It is still pink. It is as pink like the Marrakesh of Morocco or the Louisiana state of USA because it has maintained, it has maintained its culture, it has maintained its distinctive distinctiveness as a destination. So people come and see and they are totally flabbergasted to see the pink city of India. Sounds and fabulous. Is, and this is the place, you know, which is at the legacy of the Maharajas which can be seen in the grand palaces, the grand castles, the grand forts, which they built. Of all the 24 forts in India, most of the forts are situated on the hill. So the hill part in Jai is the, the fort in Jaipur is built like this, so as to make the approach of the enemies invading the Jaipur a difficult one, because it's very difficult for the horses, you know, or for the elephants to climb the hill, and and you can easily defend yourself. Ah, I see. And so the Ma Maharaja, that that's the king or the ruler. Yeah, right? Maharaja is a ruling king. Yeah, they call it as Maharaja. India is identified as a tourist destination as a Maharaja destination. We had more than 525 Maharajas in India. In 
1947, when the British departed, 527 Maharajas means a lot of things. And out of that, 24 Maharajas were in Rajasthan, and one of them was Maharaja of Jaipur. Yeah. And Jaipur oh, offers, and Jaipur offers a very unique thing. You can stay in the palaces, which have now been converted into heritage hotels. Virtually, we cannot be Maharajas and king in our time, but at least we can experience. that that royalty of maharajas you know in which they lived and they ruled so virtually we really those days of maharajas in our own time by living over there that's a beauty part of it so we can really experience what it's like to be a maharaja if we go and stay in one of these palaces that would yes. be very cool <laughs> yes very so, and then yeah yeah this is this is this is what the experience is you know we cannot be maharaja at least we can experience yeah brilliant and what's the difference so you, when you go from delhi to agra to jaipur what would you notice about the different areas See, now Delhi, Agra, and Jaipur—it is called the Golden Triangle because it has got loads of history. Normally, the people do by we provide a car, a driver, a car with a driver who takes them. We receive them in Delhi. They stay two nights in Delhi. Then we take them to Agra, and the journey is about just three to four hours. And then from Agra to Jaipur, the journey is about five hours because on the way there are a few monuments which they see, and they also see the beautiful countryside. We the, first of all, there are no airline services. is connecting these three cities except for jaipur so what we do is we take them by car to experience these grand three cities of the golden triangle yeah brilliant and what's the road like sometimes the the roads aren't always so good is the road okay or should you take some sickness tablets no there is there is nothing to worry about all the roads are of are metallic road beautiful condition like you know the road from delhi to agra is virtually the same road where india sometimes hosts the formula 1 car race that's one thing and they are very speedy highway all these are connected with the speedy highway delhi to agra agra to jaipur and jaipur back to delhi there are no any arduous part of the journey you never feel sick traveling over there while we are taking our clients from delhi to agra agra to jaipur there are like welcome breaks like which we have got in uk so after 2 hours the driver will take you to a very professional eatery shop where you can go have your snacks tea and coffee and proceed further and resume your journey so it's a very enjoyable journey which they have when they are traveling on the golden triangle there is nothing to worry about because the driver are well familiar they speak english and they are well familiar with all the route plan of these three areas yeah. oh brilliant so the guide as well will give you lots of tips while you're traveling so that will be nice and lots of history information yeah yeah because because the driver you know the driver knows lot about the history they also tell you they also tell you about the people who are staying and dwelling in these areas about their culture and about their livelihood all those sorts of thing you know and they also tell them what are the most vintage points where they can go and click the photograph where is they take you to very important well step well camel station a lot of interesting parts you know they they take you there but in the city when they are there like in delhi agra and jaipur a professional guide he gives them a running commentary about all those monuments yeah then the driver driver is only a guide on the road you know like delhi to agra agra to jaipur but once they reach the city then the professional 
guide, English-speaking guide, fluent English-speaking guide. Like, you know, India is the second largest country in the world with the English speakers. There are more than 170 million English speakers in the country. So they are well-trained. They are well-trained to converse with the foreign visitors in English. So there is communication with the foreign tourist is not a problem in India. It's so well organized here. So another area that's really popular for tourists coming from um, elsewhere is the Rathambore National Park. And this is where you can view the tigers. Now, how easy is it to spot the tigers? Is there a best time of year to go? And do you have any tips for seeing the tigers? Very good. Yeah, that's a very good question. Now, what happens while you're doing the Golden Triangle, Delhi, Agra and Jaipur, you can approach Ranthambore Park from Agra by using a mix of rail and the road journey, which is about seven hours because, you know, the tiger would only be in the deep, dense forest. That's one thing. You can also approach Ranthambore from Jaipur, and the journey time is just three hours. And both from Agra and from Jaipur, there are trains going to Ranthambore over there. What I would say, Ranthambore is one of the very important sites to see the tigers. There are more than 87 tigers in that park. It's a World Heritage Site. Duke of Edinburgh, when he visited India in 1961, he had a chance to go and see this tiger reserve. And that's the place where he shot his tiger. But after that, the tiger hunting was banned in India, and which is still there. So tiger is the national animal of India, well protected. And the best time, the best time to see the tiger reserve is from, it is from October, but I would say from November onwards, it's an excellent time till the first week of April. It's a good time to see the tigers in their in their zone, yeah, in their natural habitat, in, in tiger reserve. So chances of seeing the tigers in Ranthambore are very bright over there. But then we have got 50 national parks located all over the country. The important one are in the central part of the country. And this is called the Tiger State of India. And one of the tiger reserves is is a place which is called Kana. Kana is the same, Kana Tiger Reserve is the same place where Kipling wrote his book, The Jungle Book, over there. So we have got 15 tiger reserves, of which Ranthambur forms a very important tiger sanctuary. And the best time is November. You can never miss out Ranthambur. So what happens, Julie, is, so my tours now are, from Taj to Tigers, people who are interested in Tigers. So I make an itinerary from Taj to Tigers, and they love it. They say, we see Taj, we see Tigers. I say, why not see the temple also? So it becomes Temple, Taj, and Tigers. So according to the taste of my clients, I make the itinerary, and they love it. They start with the temple, come to the Taj, and then they see Tigers, and they came and they come back. And that makes it about 14 to 18 nights. And if they wow. want... And if they want, they go and see and rest on the golden beaches of Goa. So the golden triangle, the golden triangle odyssey is complete. You see Taj Tiger and the beach. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come on to the beach. I just want to uh, on the tigers. So is it like a safari? Do you go and find the tigers, or is it more like a reserve and you have like a space that no, you can stand? How does it work? We also organize for their safari. Now, safaris are done in two ways. We have got exclusive Jeep safari, for which you have to make some 
some extra payment to be on the jeep. And these safaris are held in the morning, early morning at six o'clock and later in the evening around six o'clock. And these safaris are also conducted through canters, like, you know, a mini truck, a mini truck, you know, in which we take you. It all depends whether the person wants to have a exclusive jeep safari or he wants to be on the canter with other group of people. But in any time, there are not more than 10 people on that canter, a small van, which we call it, yeah. And they see the tiger. And there's a naturalist who is there to guide them through the various to the various parts of that jungle and shows about the pug mark where the tigers may be hiding or maybe maybe located where they can locate the tigers. Yeah. Fabulous. So yeah, once you've done the tigers, then you need a bit of relaxing. So I think it's been a lot of journey and a lot of seeing all the sites, a lot of history. So which yes. there's lots of beach areas, aren't there, in India? But w- which beach areas would you recommend? But normally what the people do after seeing the tigers, you know, the itinerary is like this, Delhi, Agra, Ranthambur and Jaipur. They stay for two nights to discover the cultural, cultural heritage, one thing. And after from Jaipur, they emplane, they come either to Goa or they go to Kerala. Now, Kerala and Goa, they are both known for their, uh, for their beaches, virgin beaches. Goa has got a more beach line area. They have got 29 beaches, out of which 15 are in North Goa and the foot and the rest are in South Goa. Now, in no- the difference is in North Goa, you can enjoy the beach as well as the pubbing and clubbing. Like you, we got the clubs, the pubs in England. So you can go and visit the pubs over there in the evening. Whereas in South, it is an exclusive beach holiday destination. You can enjoy the beach over there. It is your question. It is your only choice. Which area you want to select? Of course, the people ask us which area we should go. So we tell them the distinction is just one. If you want to enjoy the beach and the pubbing and clubbing, then North Goa. If you just want to relax just on the beach, then it is South Goa. Of course, from South Goa, you can go to the pubs and other things, but it takes a bit more than the usual time of more than half an hour. It's all up to the choice of the person. It's all up to the choice. Now, when it comes to Kerala, Kerala has got two prominent beaches. One is the Kovalam, which is called the Golden Beach Kovalam, and the other is Marari. So both are exclusive beach places. People go to Kerala. They, they go to Kerala, they enjoy the beaches, and plus they also are on the houseboat and they enjoy the boat journeys. And few, in few cases, they also love to stay in the on the boat also for 24 hours before they go for the before they go for the beach holiday. So there are a lot of things. So we cannot just say, you know, this is what is there. It all we make a relaxing itinerary. We make the itinerary in such a way that the, covering the wish list of the person and when they agree, then only we start booking the arrangement for them. So we combine the culture tours with the beach holidays, both for Golden Triangle and both for the south part of the country. So different people come with a different taste. We want this, we want this, we want this. I say, okay, so sometimes the length of stay in India comes to about 21 nights, 21 nights, yeah, and they are happy and they are happy with that. People have, people have got interest to see India, so they do that. So normally, my itinerary have about 14 to 21 nights of stay in India. 
That's what I do. Brilliant. No, that's great. And that's good about all the different beaches. You've got somewhere to go if you want to have a bit of a party. You've got beaches yeah. to go if you want to have relaxing time. And then you've got other romantic beaches that you can experience yeah. in other areas. And then the other part of India I was really interested in is, is the Himalayas. Um, yes. do you know, what do you know about those? What can, what can you tell us about the Himalayas, Sonny? India virtually wears the crown with Himalayas. Virtually, they are the very holy mountains, which have been which have been mentioned in our whole holy books, scriptures. They are considered to be very very holy uh, places where the people go for meditation. Of course, the people are going for meditation over there, but they go for yoga now. And there are about seven Himalayan states in India, and the, one of the Himalayan states which I mentioned was Shimla which was the erstwhile capital of the British people. That's one thing. Then we have got so many other hill parts, like we got the Darjeeling. That's also from part of the Himalayas. And if you know, the famous tea comes from Darjeeling. That's a famous area for the tea. Plus, this is one, Darjeeling is one of those parts where the English people would have their tea state. They will enjoy the weather. And then they also opened many private public schools over there where the children would go and get themselves educated. And proud to say those schools are still maintained and the Indian boys and girls are going over there. So Himalaya is also Himalaya is also a part of the Indian tour itinerary, where the people go for trekking, where the people go for the Hill Sujon, and the people go to enjoy the breathtaking scenery of these majestic Himalayas. And from Delhi, it is not very far away. It is just you have to use a mix of rail, rail and uh, road journey, and you are there within about ten hours' time from Delhi in the Shimla area. So, have you trekked them, Sunny? What's the trek like? How how yeah. fit do you need to be? Well, I have done, you know, a very soft trekking. By, by, uh, I'm not a professional trekker, yes. And uh, the best time is around September also, where the people go for trekking. But I do suggest we do have got a lot of trekking itineraries, which we suggest to our clients who are interested in that trekking. And earlier it was Kashmir, the paradise on earth, which was a trekking paradise. But now Kashmir is slowly and steadily opening and the people would start going in bulk for the trekking over there. But trekking also is one of the great outdoor sports popular with a lot of the visitors going to India. That's one thing. And the best time is September onward on the trekking from September till November because then it starts getting very cold over there. So we recommend this period as to be good for the trekking period. Yes, you're right. The British do love a good cup of tea. So that will be where they'll yeah. be at Darjeeling there. <laughs> yeah. um, the other area that fascinates me is the River Ganges. And I'm looking at uh, it's the sort of uh, holiness that it, represents yeah. and spiritualness what can you tell us about that is that part of any of your itineraries to view that oh yes oh yes yeah river ganges forms a very important part we that's what we you know himalayas and ganges i make an itinerary which is called the spiritual and sacred tour of india so himalayas are holy himalayas and the river ganges is also a very holy river for the Indian people. This is what it is one of the oldest river in India. 
In fact, the river Ganges originated from Himalayas. It originated from Himalayas. It runs to a distance of 2727 kilometers right from the Himalayas till the Bay of Bengal, which is in the eastern part of the country. And this is where the river Ganges empties itself. There are 27 cities which are located on the river Ganges of which two are very important cities, you know, from the spiritual point of view. One is the Rishikesh and the other is Banaras, whom we call Varanasi. Now, Rishikesh is the place where the people start, they, they do their meditation to get the spiritual solace from undergoing a severe meditation. And may I also mention over here, the Beatle Boys, the Beatle Boys, which became very popular in the 1960, they had done their meditation in Rishikesh on the shores of River Ganges. And they earned their, I mean to say, fortitude of singing from the River Ganges. And then later on, they became popular in England. And everyone knows they, it was a most popular band in the 1960s. And they owe it all to the spiritualness of the Ganges. Yes, yes. yes. Even, even, even the founder of Apple, you know, the founder of Apple, whose name I'm forgetting, he also, he also... Steve Jobs, yeah, Steve Jobs, yeah. He also meditated on the river Ganges in Rishikesh. He said, I've learned many things in my life from doing this meditation. And see, he was not very well educated, but then he has given to the world the Apple company. The Apple company. He says that in the lifetime, one must go, one must go to meditate on the river Ganges. And even the present singing queen Madonna, who had gone to Rishikesh and to Varanasi, I will come to Varanasi also to meditate over there. And in the coming in the coming new year, 2021, the River Ganges will see one of the biggest assembly of the people, which is called the Kumbh Mela, starting from the 14th of January till the 14th of March. It's a two months where millions of people all over India and also few parts of the world, they come over there and they do the ritual bath in the river Ganges. And it is called Kumbh Mela. We have itineraries for the people going for the Kumbh Mela for the next year, and we can let you know. Now, incidentally, let me also mention about Varanasi. Varanasi is in the eastern part of the country. That is a place where the river Ganges flows on the plains. It is Varanasi to the Hindus is like Jerusalem to the Christians or Medina to the Muslims. It's a very holy city. And I can say it is among the seven sacred cities of India, the city of learning and burning. The city of learning, I mean to say, when the people learn about the Hindu culture and how it flourished and how it has been flourishing. And burning, I say, because most of the Hindus, they prefer to die in the city of Varanasi as they have got a, a thing in their mind, belief in their mind, that once their dead bodies are burnt in Varanasi, they will ascend to heaven. They will live in heaven. And Varanasi is one of those cities which is also mentioned in the Holy Book Bible. Famous for spiritualism and famous for silk. Silk, it is known for the sericulture. The best silk in the world came from Varanasi. And the mummies in pyramids of Egypt, their bodies, the dead bodies were covered with the silk that was imported from Varanasi. So Varanasi 
is a great sacred and a spiritual center of India. And I make diagnosis like spiritual and sacred cities of India. And Varanasi finds a very important place in that. Fabulous. That sounds great. A really spiritual place there. And amazing. <laughs> we all need to meditate there if we're going to become, you know, like Madonna and, uh, and the yes. others. We'll become yes. very successful from our meditation there. I wanted to move on a little bit. What about the food? Because I think it's something that perhaps people are a little bit worried about when um, when thinking about a trip to India, because it's so different to, for example, you know, the British food or American food. What yeah. type of dishes can people expect in India? And does it differ um, depending on where you are in the country? So do you have different dishes in the north as to the southeast and west? Yes. The, the food cuisine of India is a, what I should say, is very distinctive, which was, which has been influenced by the invaders. The invaders, when I say the Mughal invaders who came in the 15th century, also the Portuguese who came in the, around the, towards the last end of the 15th century again. And then we have, what I should say, so they have, and the geographical location of the people living in this area have greatly influenced the cuisine of India. In the north, you will find mostly the people are wheat eaters. And in rest of the countries, the people are rice eaters. But because of this globalization, because of the fast modern trend of fast food and everything, most of the cuisine habits have changed. So the North Indian people are eating the rice, the South people are eating the wheat. So it's all a mix of everything going on. Now coming to the food, Indian food is a, what, what I should say, is a number one cuisine in the world. Yes, first of all, it is it is a meal, you know, which many people like to try when they are in India. And no food of India can give you any belly problem. That's one thing. What happens is when the visitors come to India, they like the food, they like the fragrance, the aroma of the food, they start gulping too much of the Indian food. And this is where they go wrong. So I have sent, I sent so many thousands of British people. None of them have ever come back complaining about the food problem. Only two were there and they say, Sunny, we had too much. So that is why I spoiled my stomach here. Yeah? The food does not give you any problem because the food is always freshly made. And Indians are by and large eat two types of food. One is the vegetarian, people who are vegetarian, and the people who are vegetarian plus they are non-vegetarian. When it comes to the non-vegetarian, that means I'm referring to the fish, I'm referring to the chicken, I'm referring to the meat, you know, the meat part. But in India, the lamb meat is not available. It is the goat meat which is available and relished by the people. Food, I have promoted the cuisine tours of India. And the people enjoy the cuisines which, which are prevalent in the different parts of in the different parts of the country. Each and every place has got its distinctive cuisine to offer. And there are few Indians, you know, there are few places where you get the vegetables which are not even cooked with onion and garlic, the main ingredient. It's a very simple food which they have. And Plus, on the top of this, just to give a complete experience, in all the hotels where my clients stay, the Western type of food is also available. The English breakfast is available. The English tea is also available. So all these 
crossa, another thing, they're all available, you know, jam, butter, toast, all are available. And they also get a variety. What, if you're in India, what Englishmen can have Indian breakfast on the table. So they enjoy the cuisine of both parts of the world. They enjoy the English breakfast, they enjoy the Indian breakfast. What does the typical Indian breakfast look like? What's in an Indian breakfast? See, the Indian typical breakfast would be having milk with porridge. Then it would have parathas, the flatbread, the flatbread, yeah. Then they will have omelette, the eggs with it, and then they will have the tea with it. That's, these are the four main things. But when you are in South India, then it is a different thing. Their cuisine is very different. Most of the stuff for the breakfast is made from the rice. They have got dumplings, they have got fritters, they have got a thing called dosa, D-O-S-A, which is which is stuffed with potatoes. So different area, different type of breakfast. But but the bottom line is you get whether you are in South India or in North India, East or Western India, you will have got a lot of similarities in the breakfast, a lot of similarities of the food. The chicken which is available in India is available in different forms and shapes all over the country. Yes, But there's nothing like chicken balti, balti chicken. There are different, different names to the chicken preparation. Like, for instance, I can say, you take the example of uh, potatoes. There are more than 87 styles of cooking potatoes in India. And then biryani made from the rice. There are more than 47 different types of biryani. You get confused. But it all depends upon the area where you are there and you're visiting that area. And of course, the salad, the green salad, also forms part of that food also. What about dessert, Sunny? What's your favorite dessert in India? How? What's it made up of? See, like in England, you have got ice creams. You have got uh, hot fox sundae. In India, we have got the, you know, the puddings, the kheer, and we have got the local ice cream is called kulfi. Kulfi, kulfi, that's one thing. Then we have got the Indian Indian various type of sweet things that are available, right? Rasgulla, gulab jamun. And then we have got, uh, what I should say, uh, a food, a food custard, a custard food, custard, custard, Indian custard. They're all available, but along with the English type of desserts also that are available. Yeah. But we do relish, when I take my fan trip, they all relish the Indian deserts. Plus, one thing very humorously I can say, I one time asked my English agent, will you like to try Indian fish and chips? They say yes. And they all said, fantastic. They say the fish and chips they have tasted, they have never tasted like this in their lifetime. Yeah. So fish and chips are also available. So whatever, is, India is a highly modernized country. We have got very high standard of food, of deserts and everything. There is, there is never be, there can never be a cause of complaint on the food in India. Only thing when you are there with the in India, you start slowly with tea, coffee, and drink a lot of water, you know, and enjoy the food. Yeah. And the Indian food is not spicy. Also, it depends what type of spice food you want to have. Whether you want to have no spice food, whether you want to have a medium hot, and you want a very spicy food. I have seen my English clients eating more spicy food in India than they are eating over here. They say we relish it. And the tourist season in India is mostly during the winter time. And when you have a very spicy food, you really relish the spicy food in India. 
No, definitely. <laughs> Sounds incredible. And all the spices as well. And I guess because it's all made fresh, you can speak to whoever's preparing your food and, and ask, you know, oh, God, I like it a little spicy or I would like it not so spicy. And they yes. will prepare it how you like. See, what you have, when you are in a restaurant or the hotel, you can request the restaurant manager that you want to speak to the chef. So the chef will come and he will ask you what you want to have, whether you want a vegetarian food or non-vegetarian food. Say so accordingly, he will prepare the food. Of course, in India, you will not find the beef preparation because India considered cow as a holy animal. So there is no beef which is available over there. And then he will ask you where you want the food to be spicy or no spicy or the medium. So they make the food accordingly as per the taste of the visitors over there. And they like it. They like the vegetables, cauliflower, fresh mutter peas, cabbage, spinach, cottage cheese. They love the preparation of this. And this you get in all parts of the country. It is not confined to one part. It is available any part of the country, you will get all these vegetables, all these type of uh, non-vegetarian food, except in except in South and in Eastern India, you will find more of fish items because people here are fish eaters. In the North, there are no fish growing areas. They imported from the South. So you will find less preparation of the less preparation of the fish. And of course, India virtually is known for the tandoori food. Tandoori food made in the cloven. This you will find mostly in North India, but now it has diversified to the other parts of the country. So tandoori food is available in every nook and corner. It's making me very hungry, Sunny, all this yes. talk of food. <laughs> so get ready. I will take you on my fan trip to India. Yeah? You will enjoy the tandoori food. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I look forward to it. So when we get there, what should we... So I know on your tours, you're taking them sort of on private uh, transfers as such. But what about, you know, the rickshaws or getting about on your own? Is it safe to do that? Well, it is safe to do that, but you know, rickshaws are only the local area. Like in Delhi, if you really want to have tuk-tuk, you know, you can hire, all the sightseeing is done by a, in our car, which we have engaged for you. But some people, they want to enjoy, enjoy the rickshaw ride or the tuk-tuk. So in Delhi, for instance, if they're in Delhi, we take them on a heritage cycle rickshaw tour, visiting more than 12, 12 lanes, 12 streets of old part of Delhi. This tour is for one hour. You are taken in a rickshaw and then you travel through the the, uh, the lanes, the streets of old Delhi, and the people love it. And the people love it. They say, oh, and now when you are in Agra, when you, when you are in Agra, then, of course, people take a cycle rickshaw very close to the Taj Mahal, and they do the cycle rickshaw ride in the Taj Mahal. In Jaipur, they do the, in the evening, we take them on a cycle rickshaw, and they cover the pink city. Of course, the formal part of the official tour of Jaipur has taken place on, on our car. But in the evening, just to give them the feel of the city, we arrange the cycle rickshaw for them. And for about one or two hours, they enjoy the rickshaw ride of traveling around the pink, the pink city area, the pink city area. And they love it. Yes, yeah. So cycle rickshaw are there, but then the cycle rickshaw cannot go beyond about three or four kilometers. You know, they, they, can, they, they cannot be that lengthy journey on the cycle rickshaw. 
for one hour, two hours, it is okay. But then they don't connect from one city to another city. The best is to take the private car, which we organize for our, for our group and for our individual tours. Yeah. So I need to get packing. So what should I pack? <laughs> I have very heard important. not to take a lot because um, it's very um, inexpensive to buy clothes out there. And yes. the certain type of material, this lady was telling me earlier that um, she'd lived in India for quite a few years. And she said that the cotton that we have is quite thick. Whereas when you go into go to India and buy something locally, that that will be a much thinner material and you know you'll be able to you feel much more comfortable so only to take a few items what do you think Sunny? what should we pack i totally agree with that lady she you know the packing of the stuff and the clothes depends upon the time of the year when you are traveling and to which part of the country you are traveling like for instance you are going to goa which never experienced any cold you can take you can only take cotton clothes with you that's one thing if you are going to the southern part of the country like kerala it's the same thing you need not carry you need not carry any woolen clothes just simple cotton clothes will do and if you are traveling in the north part of the indian himalayas then of course there is a need to take woolen clothes but not very heavy woolen clothes the woolen clothes the wind sheeters that you can take and the cap you know you can take with you the gloves and there the the, uh, the lady rightly said india is a shopper's paradise while you are over there while you're over there you can do a lot of buying of the woolen clothes the cotton clothes which will suit the local temperature you can buy over there that is why on most of the airlines which are operating to india like british airways virgin air india jet airways sara they give you an allowance of 46 kilo as a baggage, check-in baggage. So you can go with empty bags and come back with, uh, with full bags from India. And shopping in India compared to this country is not that expensive. And may I also mention over here, the leading stores like Mark & Spencer and the Mark & Spencer, I should say, and a few other stores, they have all got their stuff of woolen or cotton clothes stitched in India, like Prima get from Bangladesh. So these Mark and Spencer, they are using India for their fabrics here, yes, for making the for making the outfits over there. And I also know the factories where they are manufactured. I've taken my English agents there, that these are the places where all this stuff is manufactured. Yeah, this lady was telling me about her experience, which was um, that she had taken a picture from a, a magazine of what she'd liked, and um, they can just look at you and they will know the measurements and they will make it for you three times better than what it looks like in the magazine. Yeah. And for half the price. <laughs> for half the price, yes. You know, I have I have a lot of English gentlemen. They are particularly interested in getting their suits stitched in India. And there are many fine tailors and drapers in India, all over the cities, which take their measurement and they stitch the and they want at least 48 hours to get it done at one third of the price which you pay in UK. Yep, and the fine shootings come from India. That's true. And some of the tailors are so good, so good, they just ask you to, to just stand straight. They take the measurement and they tell, okay, you come after two days and get your things done and collect your things. They don't even take the measurement. 
They just ask you to stand straight and the measurement is taken. They don't use any measurement tapes, inchy tapes, nothing, nothing. They say, okay, done. The people get it done. And for the ladies, there are special ladies tailors who are expert. So if the ladies want to get their things stitched, they have to go to the ladies tailor and they do it. There are markets, there are shops specializing in ladies tailoring. Yes, they do it for you. Yes, yeah. Fantastic. So the shopping as well. I mean, we hadn't even really thought about the shopping. That's a great place to go. And Julie, I do promote, you know, I do promote textile tours to India and the shopping tours to India. We have few areas. Recently, I had about 21 ladies who have just returned from doing their textile tour of India. They were confined to Gujarat, which is on the western region. And now they say we would love to go to the South India or we want to go to Rajasthan the Jaipur area, to do the textile tour. Jaipur, Jaipur in Rajasthan is famous for their textile also. The tie and dye and block printing, it is prevalent in that part of the country. You name anything, we have, that's why I said India is a land for all reasons and seasons. You name a thing, we have got it. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good um, motto there for India, definitely. All reasons, all seasons. That sounds fabulous. Well, this has been a great um, session this morning, a lovely podcast and lovely chatting with you. I think it's given a really good insight into India uh, for those that haven't been before. And I feel like we've done a lot of the myth busting. So, you know, Delhi Belly, don't be worried about that. Just no. go easy on the Indian food when you get there. Slowly. Go slow. Go slowly. Go slowly. Go slowly. <laughs> um, things, not... I would like to say a few things. Yeah, India, India politically is a very stable country. It is one of the biggest democracy in the world. So you are absolutely have got freedom of expression. What you get in UK, freedom of expression is there. And then coming to the internal flights, India has got a very high standard of safety on all the flights, international and internal flights over there. And you can be you can be totally assured that all these flights you are well taken care. The food service is excellent in the air, one thing, yeah. And the best time to go to India is from October till the first week of April. And traveling is not at all dangerous. If you're traveling by train, so you can request and you would be allocated a ladies' compartment. The ladies' compartment is a very unique thing in India. You are allocated a, a, a compartment in the trains. So safety is there. In the nighttime, there are guards which are which are patrolling the, all the compartments, even of the gents and of the ladies. Yeah, that's one thing. And India is not always hot. You know, it's not as hot like the Spain, which are very hot, you know. India has got four seasons, winter season, summer season, rainy season, and of course, we got the spring. Now it is the start of the winter season over there. And uh, this is the best time to do any tour in the country. And then, like I said, India is a land for all reason and season. I would like to quote what ex-president of South Africa once said, Nelson Mandela, he said, to every country I go as a traveler, but to India as a pilgrim I go. That's a very satisfying experience to my soul and to my body. 100%. So, yeah, India is definitely the place to go for all reasons and all seasons. I like that, Sunny. And one thing, the last thing, you know, never go to India with a preconceived notion. India is dirty, bad, bad. India is an upcoming country. This 
is, of course, there are issues relating to pollution and poverty, but they are being tackled at all levels, you know, the international and the thing. But India is India is a very emerging economy and a very promising destination in the world. That's all I can say. And it's full of the kindest, most welcoming people. This lady I was talking to today, I had a little interview. She said, just the most lovely people, so kind. Everybody wants you to, you know, hold their baby, take pictures. And they see us Westerners as bringing them good luck. Some some people believe that, I think. And, uh, And we bring good fortune. So they are just so happy to see you. It's a very welcoming place. And as a tourist, that's all you want, just to be welcome and to experience like your, your the locals real lives what they experience every day that's what they say you know the indians welcome the indians welcome you with a folded hand which shows the extreme form of hospitality when you fold the hands in front of somebody that you are welcoming him you come as a traveler and you go as a friend and it's a everlasting friendship with you. yeah Oh, that's lovely. I will end it on that, Sunny. Thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Julie. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Now I think you are yourself an encyclopedia, a Wikipedia for India. Oh, Sunny, thank you so much. It's been absolutely brilliant. And for more information and links to what we've talked about in today's episode, please head over to thetravelpodcast.com where all links will be featured on this episode's page. And if you like what you heard, please do give us a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you.